This podcast is an unedited excerpt from an MCLE program presented at MCLE's Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or its speakers. For full terms and conditions, please see the MCLE website. Hi, everyone. I hope that you had uh, a moment to take a quick break, uh, maybe move from uh, one side of the living room to the other side of the living room. Um, I'd like to introduce Sonia Kim from Pandora slash SiriusXM, um, who is going to be sharing her wealth of knowledge on advertising on uh, social media. So take it away, Sonia. Thanks so much, Amanda. Hopefully everybody's settled. I know uh, these breaks, it's a lot more truncated than um, if we were all together in person. So hopefully everybody got, you know, some hydration, a snack, um, some stretches in. And I've just been really enjoying the variety of topics that have been presented. Um, let's dive into advertising on social media. So I know that all of you have my bio, um, but just to reintroduce, and as a refresher, I'm Sonia Kim. I'm an associate general counsel in uh, Oakland, um, the Oakland offices of Pandora Media. We are actually under the Sirius XM umbrella. And so um, I know that a lot of you have known our brand as music streaming. We also, I, I work on these deals for podcasts. So we do have a podcast offering. And I think some people don't necessarily realize that we actually have a really robust advertising business as well. And I'm also involved in advising our brand marketing team. So I've seen um, over the six years that I've been at Pandora, I've seen um, just it being non-existent on advertising on social media. I joined at a time where we had an outdated social media policy, mostly targeted towards employees. I collaborated with our co-counsel in refreshing that social media policy also providing social media guidelines as it was very clear that our marketing efforts were turning um, more more of our attention onto social media platforms. It's really become a core part of our business. Um, I came actually into communication with Amanda because we're on opposite sides of the negotiating table. So um, I think it just attests and goes to show it's a testament that um, if you're friendly with uh, the council of your counterparties, then they might ask you to speak on a panel. Um, so just the disclaimers as well, uh, the views and opinions here are of my own, um, not representative of Pandora or SiriusXM. Of course, I might reference some you know, insights and observations I've had over the years, and, um, but it's you know, not intended to constitute legal advice. It's um, you know, just general guidance, of course. And um, let's go to the agenda slide. So I just wanted to set expectations with this session. Um, you know, in the 30 minutes that's allotted, there's, you know, obviously so many angles you could go with social media advertising. I just want, um, you know, when designing kind of the agenda and the slides, you know, I kept in mind that there may be brands and clients that, um, haven't really dipped their toes in social media advertising. So it's really intended for that audience. 
if you're working for clients and brands that have a robust social media marketing, um, you know, you have executed various campaigns on social media, this might serve as a refresher, but also hopeful um, that I will offer some helpful insights as well. Um, so let's dive in. I wanted to, I, I won't go into present mode, but I wanted to divert away um, to focusing on an infographic that I pulled on the internet. So the evolution of social media advertising, um, I'll just click to this webpage here that was published a couple years ago, but um, you know, you could refer to this in your own time, but it is a really great timeline of marking the milestones and offering a brief history of social advertising. You can see it's been nearly two decades, right? Um, so on your own time, feel free um, to scroll through it. it. I think it only goes up until 2016, and obviously there's been a you know proliferation of platforms since then. So it has a five-year gap, but um, we'll close out of this. So next, I just wanted to also show just the staggering figures, you know, whether social media advertising, you know, is the bane of your existence. Um, you know, I'm here to say, you know, it, it's here to stay, right? Um, you can see, I pulled this uh, table from eMarketer. So it shows the US social network ad spends, um, you know, projecting even into 2022. And I will also highlight that you know you can see that this note um, it actually excludes spending by marketing teams that go towards developing or maintaining a social network presence which i read as it excludes all the budget that's allocated for influencer marketing so these figures are in the billions so you can see it's just continued growth um, it's something that's become ubiquitous obviously we're moving into generations where the eyeballs are just on social media i think also, the, the unusual times that we're in during this pandemic, you know, it's the primary way that people are connecting. And so advertisers are certainly taking advantage of that as well. So I'm going to hone in mostly on influencer marketing. I think that there's been a lot of interesting regulations around it, as, as well as most recently um, with SAG announcing that influencers can actually be eligible for membership into the talent union. So I think it's really signaling that, you know, influencers have become, a, you know, just quite a remarkable presence in today's age, in the modern age, and um, that brands are really flocking to, to this mode of advertising. So um, the two ways that I've seen how we engage influencers for social media ad campaigns, first, a brand may directly engage with an influencer, so you can contract directly with an influencer, or there's some of the more sophisticated ones um, might be wrapped by talent counsel or a manager, and so they may have been sophisticated enough to set up a loan out company um, just to take advantage of um, the shelter from liability as well as tax advantages as well. Another way I've seen, um, we've seen this proliferation of influencer marketing agencies. And Amanda actually reps the one of the agencies that Pandora has engaged. And so, um, you know, you can, brands can take advantage of just the roster that these agencies have. 
so that they're able to connect brands with influencers. And I've also seen, I have in this parenthetical where brands, you know, like Pandora that actually have a robust advertising practice, they may include as part of their sponsorship package to advertisers, influencer services. So um, it, it's just a way to further amplify the message of the brands. So this slide, um, I compiled, especially, I think it will be helpful if your client or your company is you know, dipping their toes and ha hasn't yet you know, uh, launched into social media advertising or engaged influencers. These are some things to scope out. I think, um, let me actually get into present mode. I forgot about that. So one second. So there you go. I think that's easier to view. Um, so these are just some considerations to mitigate risk. Um, I did highlight that while you can engage an influencer marketing agency and they may be able to let the influencer know, hey, you need to comply with these regulations, make sure the content doesn't include or incorporate infringing content. Um, you actually cannot contract away the liability um, of any kind of violative content or of the regulations. And so it's just good practice to, when you're working perhaps with a startup or a client that hasn't delved into this, or perhaps their marketing team resources are a bit limited. Um, th this is just a line of questioning to run through. Um, so they are set up to you know, have a proper process. So they're monitoring this type of content. Um, they have a nearly foolproof way so that there aren't any you know, PR mishaps. Um, and also just the proper messaging gets amplified on social media. And some of the questions just to highlight, um, you know, first, does your client, company, the influencer, do they have media liability insurance coverage? Usually, I'd say the more sophisticated ones. Um, I think this day and age, it does your company and brand a service that um, you are properly vetting influencers. Um, the internet, as we know, can be a really wacky world. And so, you know, even in the time that I've seen this part of the industry really grow in the last six years, um, it's become a pretty sophisticated business. So, um, you know, being mindful of the type of people, the influencers that your brand aligns with is very important. Um, I'll touch upon this a bit later, but um, one thing to consider is, is your client or company a signatory to any union agreements? Um, it might be so, and we'll likely see more of this. It's something to watch. Um, is the influencer a member of any talent union? Next, um, you know, first, does your client company even have an internal social media marketing team? I'd say when I first started at Pandora, you know, the marketing team was relatively small and it's really uh, proliferated. And there are dedicated team members to social media marketing efforts. Um, you know, I think it's important to highlight just the practical considerations and to consider practical tips for the team. Um, does that team have designated members who will be accessing and monitoring the company's social media accounts? Um, there's just so many platforms. I, I, I know that when I was building out our company's social media policy, it's just taking an inventory first of, um, you know, which employees even like set up, you know, this social media account, who has the password and the logins. 
Um, again, this is a risk mitigation practice, right? It, you know, certainly uh, diminishes the chance that there will be content out there, um, you know, coming from your company that is monitored if you're able to track all these. Um, I think training, you know, and best practices is essential. And then also whether there's a succession plan, if any members depart from the company, you know, there's always that scenario of perhaps a disgruntled employee and still having the login to a company's social media accounts. Um, and it's definitely in the best interest of the company to quash any of those scenarios. Next, um, you know, there, there was definitely a scenario where, um, you know, this question of will your client company request its employees to promote its products and services on social media? We'll get into this in terms of, you know, do employees count as brand ambassadors that need to disclose their connection with the company if they're amplifying a particular brand's products or services? Next. Um, does your client or company have a social media policy and or social media best practices guidelines for brand ambassadors and influencers? Um, you know, before launching into, you know, social media ad campaigns, if your client or your brand has not dealt into that, I definitely do realize that um, a lot of marketing teams, when you work with creative teams, they love to strike the iron or strike the iron when it's hot, right? Um, they sometimes like like all the analogies of building or flying the plane as it's being built. And so um, I would definitely recommend having a social media policy in place that you know your client teams can reference as well as circulating social media best practices. So they're aware of how they can execute their social media marketing campaigns in a very compliant way. So the next slide. So this is a summary of some best practices to consider. Um, I, I think what it really boils down to advertising on social media, um, you know, the same type of laws apply as it does in traditional media. So, you know, anything from what I've listed here is the third party rights issues. Um, there's tactics that a lot of brands do like to repurpose. Obviously it's cost saving if they repurpose user generated content. Um, but knowing that the, the social media user who produced that content actually still owns it. So making sure you secure proper permissions and there's some creative avenues of doing that that I've seen brands like Airbnb, um, having just a really quick, rather than, you know, having to do these long form contracts, um, you know, ways to direct message the brand, um, just confirming that they've secured the proper permissions. There's also brands that belong to highly regulated industries. I decided a couple that I've worked with um, in alcohol, pharmaceutical, ad verticals. Obviously, these advertisers tend to have large budgets. Um, they may encounter gray areas, but um, it's really important that these brands identify applicable rules and restrictions to execute their campaigns in a compliant way. Um, in the realm of alcohol, just ensuring to that, you know, if you're working with a particular influencer, that influencer is above the age of 25, you know, having the proper disclosures and disclaimers around, you know, drinking responsibly, any portrayals of, you know, irresponsible drinking or drinking games and making sure that the regulations um, 
promulgated by Discus, the Beer Institute, um, anything uh, that applies in advertising also applies here as well. Um, another thing is audience composition. You can take a look at an influencer's followers to ensure that they are of legal drinking age. So that's certainly you know, something to contemplate if you are working with alcohol brands or you're in that industry. Um, pharmaceutical, similar, um, you know, making sure things are also FTC as well as, you know, there's uh, compliance with FDA regulations too. Um, and then we're going to do this kind of deep dive into FTC, a compliance with FTC disclosure requirements. Um, that was a big thing that was on my plate, I'd say circa 2016, um, 2018. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of us who have been at companies where, you know, Pandora, we've always been doing business online. Um, it's a platform that exists online. And so oftentimes regulations do not catch up with new technologies. And so, you know, you kind of try to do your best. It's like, oh, what was the intention of that regulatory body? I think what it really boils down to is, um, you know, protecting consumers from deception, you know, promoting truth in advertising. Um, there, I think in the early days of influencer marketing, um, it, it was, you know, as savvy as, you know, millennials and Gen Z and um, generations that have grown up in the digital age, there is still, um, you know, certainly bad actors out there or brands that, you know, try to cloak uh, sponsor or conceal sponsorships rather. And so um, whether they intend to deceive consumers or not, um, there's definitely been uh, regulatory, regulatory action around that. So a lot of brands, including Pandora, really tightened up in terms of making sure that uh, disclosure requirements are met. And then even though it may not necessarily be a legal consideration, I think it's just practical. You know, oftentimes as in-house counsel, you have to have that lens of, you know, understanding the business perspective, right? Um, there's definitely scenarios that, you know, we've seen over the years to avoid PR blunders that can take place in social media. Um, so the importance and emphasizing um, to monitor and screen content that's posted on your client or company's social media accounts. And then a, a few more, um, you know, this may be a given, but ensure that the content that's posted it's compliant with the terms and conditions of the social media platforms. Um, again, while you know some <laughs> platforms, not to be named, may not have had such flattering um, accounts in the press lately, right? Again, these platforms are here to stay. They do have a really, you know, just it, it's just ubiquitous now. Social media. And even as lawyers, too, as much as I was reluctant to join maybe TikTok or, or Snapchat, um, you know, even if it is setting up an account and not necessarily being a prolific user of it, you know, I would definitely encourage, um, you know, getting familiar with all the popular social media platforms, especially the ones where your marketing team sees alignment. Um, I, I think just with certain brands, uh, music brands and, you know, podcast brands like Pandora, there's a lot of use mo most in the visual or like short form videos. So Instagram um, is typically the choice as opposed to while we have done, you know, Facebook and Twitter, it's mostly Instagram that I've seen. So more of that visual component. 
There's also just ensuring compliance when conducting sweepstakes contest promotions via social media. The FTC has issued guidance around you know, how to make proper disclosures, which hashtags to use when that's being done. And this last point, um, you know, I think because you know this has eyes on regulatory bodies, I think it's really important to consider advising your client or company to implement some type of record retention process, you know, relating to their social media uh, advertising campaigns, um, just in the event that there is some type of regulatory investigation or other kind of legal proceeding. Um, perhaps it's screen captures, if it's not a ephemeral platform like Snapchat or Instagram stories, um, or just ensuring, again, you know, going back to the point before of making sure that there is some type of succession plan. So even if um, a social media marketing manager or director leaves the company that there is, you know, some way that there, there is a kind of a transfer of overseeing the account, the company accounts. So let's launch into kind of the nuances of influencer marketing. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of brands have delved into this. It's I feel like it's just another iteration of what we've seen with um, having celebrity brand ambassadors and endorsing brands, but just on the social media platform. But what it really boils down to, it's, it's about transparency, right? Um, you know, being able to help consumers distinguish between what's a sponsored versus organic mention, meaning that you know, say I'm just a really big fan of a particular skincare brand and I just want to post about it on um, Facebook, right? And that's a different scenario than if I got paid or got free products from that particular brand. You know, in that case, it would be the former, it would be sponsored. Um, and then I spent a lot of time just with my colleagues and just dissecting the FTC's endorsement guides a, a few years back. So these keywords that I've emboldened and also underlined of, you know, what constitutes a material connection and what is a clear and conspicuous disclosure as well when you're uh, engaging in social media advertising. So I have those in the next slide. So the question of what is a material connection, um, it's, you know, alluding to the example I provide, I just provided, it's, you know, I'm not a celebrity, but it's like paying money to a celebrity or influencer to promote your brand. So that is obviously, there's a material connection there. Um, uh, providing free products or discounts to influencers is also another, you know, what constitutes a material connection. Um, we touched upon sweepstakes and contests before, but even offering entries into these sweepstakes or contests in exchange, you know, sometimes you'll see these brands say, you know, post a photo, you know, on Instagram with my brand and, you know, make some type of statement. Um, and then you might be eligible to win, you know, something, some type of prize. And so the FTC has advised what the proper hashtags to accompany those social media posts, because, you know, just to make it clear um, that these are incentivized. And again, as mentioned before, so actually paying a salary to your employees who promote your brands, um, these constitute any kind of employee advocacy social posts. So they actually require disclosures. Um, I do have to say a lot of times these creative marketing teams 
you know, tend to push back, you know, um, if they want to involve, in, you know, companies, employees in the social media marketing plan. Um, you know, we've certainly experienced pushback of, oh, you know, hashtag employee, it sounds, you know, not so, you know, quote unquote organic. It doesn't, it seems a bit detached, right? Um, and so we've gotten feedback around that, but uh, we've been able to, and we've seen this with other brands um, use more custom hashtags where it's pretty clear you're associated, you know, employed by the brand. So, you know, we've done like, I am Pandora. Now it's like, I am Pandora Sirius and then um, Sirius XM Pandora Life, right? So those are other options if, um, you know, you tend to get pushback from these marketing teams. And then, of course, you know, offering any type of incentive program to marketing affiliates that can constitute a material connection as well. And I've outlined, um, you know, just best practices for clear and conspicuous. Um, when you kind of dig deep on what does that exactly mean, um, here are just some tips, you know, just to give some guidance to your teams, you know, um, the various platforms that they may use. It's just good practice to disclose at the beginning of the post, you know, using hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored. Um, on Instagram, for instance, just there is a limit, like character limit on Twitter, of course, uh, and Instagram where you might not see the disclosure until the very end unless the user clicks more. And so it's just, best practices to just have that at the beginning. Um, same thing, not burying disclosures in a very, very long post, especially in kind of these textual posts as well. Um, the FTC has become very, you know, very particular on what type of terms are easily understood by consumers. Um, again, with character limits, the medium of social media uh, being just, you know, something really quick, right? A lot of the times marketing teams don't want to, they, they really want the influencer to focus on the messaging as opposed to, to the disclosure. But um, the FTC has advised, you know, just to stray away from using any ambiguous terms and, you know, sticking to what they recommend. And then, you know, there are scenarios, of course, if you don't use a hashtag, you know, those type of disclosures of hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, just making it very clear in the messaging of the post, you know, for instance, I, I made up this one, you know, shout out to whatever brand for gifting me these awesome chains, right? Um, a reasonable consumer would probably understand that, you know, that is pretty clear that they, they were gifted the, a, a product from the brand. Uh, this is an interesting one. The FTC, I believe, made this clear a, a few years back. But um, according to the FTC, don't actually assume that a platform's disclosure tool is sufficient. I think they were doing this in response. Instagram launched a paid partnership feature. So oftentimes when you're scrolling on Instagram, you'll see you know, certain influ influencers, they say, oh, you know, in paid partnership with um, Stones of Brands. Um, but the FTC has actually made clear that, you know, you shouldn't necessarily rely on a platform's native tools for disclosures. Um, and so that's just interesting to highlight. Uh, if there, again, if it's coupled with, you know, it depends on the messaging, right? Like if it's pretty clear, you know, like the above, right, that, um, that 
the post is an endorsement, then I think you could have a, an argument that, you know, if you omitted the hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored. So it's kind of a case by case assessment. Um, and then this last point, you know, we've seen a proliferation, we've seen, um, you know, more image only platforms like Snapchat, Instagram stories, obviously now even TikTok. And so there's options to superimpose a disclosure like hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored over the image or video. But again, you know, they do, the guidelines do say that it should actually contrast with um, just whatever image is visible in, in the actual post. So um, again, you know, I touched upon how a lot of marketing teams and when you're working with creatives, there's pushback, right? Um, and so this is directly from a, a tweet by the FTC, again, a few years back, but um, they even confirmed and, you know, Pandora has done this as well, where um, rather than doing like hashtag ad, something like, you know, Pandora partner is actually good enough. So that's straight from the FTC. And I pulled this from the FTC site, um, you know, cited all the sources. I do have links to some helpful resources at the end of this presentation. And so, you know, again, they lay out the do's and don'ts. It's pretty straightforward of, you know, what they recommend, you know, practices to avoid. I think, you know, the general rule of thumb is when, whenever you're in doubt, um, just disclose. It's just the best practice to just comply with the disclosure requirements. Sonia, I'm going to have to cut you short here just so we can stay on um, on time. Um, I apologize, but um, I do want to direct everyone to um, review these slides that Sonia has coming up. Um, the point being that even if you are legally compliant, uh, there, it is very easy to have a public relations nightmare, yeah. um, uh, and that uh, you really need to know uh, who is in control of your campaign. Like Sonia said, who have a policy, who's allowed to have access, um, and um, and take a look at some of those examples because uh, even if you. If, if, it might be easier to come back from a FTC blunder than a PR blunder. Um, right. And Sonia, perhaps you can give these takeaways and we do the takeaways at 450. Yeah, that sounds great. And then, you know, I do have just trends and forecasts people can check out. I do think this rise of audio platforms is something to watch. And obviously the SAG decision um, to include influencers in the membership. And then just a list of helpful resources. And these last two, I just wanted to point out, it's um, great to see even those in the QSR, the quick service restaurant industry, just taking on social media savvy. And then it wouldn't be complete if I um, didn't have a slide to say, did say let's connect, but um, a way to connect on social media as well. So 